Welcome to Trauma-Informed Parenting, where you can find information about adoption, foster care, parenting a child with a capital letter syndrome, such as ADD, ADHD, FASD, SPD, on the spectrum, etc., and trauma-informed parenting, all in one place. I'm Kathleen Guire, your host, mother of seven, four through adoption, former National Parent of the Year, author, teacher, and speaker, but more important than any of those things, I'm a parent just like you. I know what it's like to raise kiddos with trauma histories and capital letter syndromes. I used to feel as if I were the only one struggling, and because I felt that way, I isolated myself. I don't want you to feel alone in your parenting journey. So grab a cup of coffee and join me for Trauma-Informed Parenting, a Coffee Break podcast. Hi, Kathleen Guire here. Welcome to this episode of Trauma-Informed Parenting. Today, I have a special guest, Amber Stewart. She is a biological mom of two with 15 years of fostering, an adoptive mom of two, and currently a foster grandma, and she has been in the trenches for as many years as I have, and I will let her introduce herself just a little bit more, but today she's going to talk about emotional awareness. Okay, Amber? Thank you so much. I'm so excited. It's funny to hear a foster foster grandmother. That's true. I'm a Mimi now, and that's been a lot of fun. Um, definitely a new season of life, but he's a sweet little guy. But yeah, I'm excited to be here to share um, about emotional awareness. There's kind of a new term out there that we've heard in the last many years called social and emotional development, which I don't know about you, Kathleen, but when I was a new mom, nobody was talking about social and emotional development. So um, I am so excited to share with moms and especially moms that are fostering and adopting because Many of my kiddos that came in had big emotions um, from their trauma, from being removed from the home, and not to mention all the experiences that they had. Some of those um, behaviors and emotions were hard to navigate through, and I really wish I had known a lot of this um, information when I was a new mom, but also a new foster mom. So, and my I have a, a my adopted son is on the autism spectrum, so. That was a lot of, and still is, he's 11, and so just uh, navigating through his emotional meltdowns at times and trying to even control my own emotions and learning about how I can help him. So let's get started. Um, The first big thing is just to understand the importance of emotional learning for kids. Um, It is an important aspect of whole child development. Um, they have shown now that it is actually the underlying foundation for cognitive learning. And when we see kids that are emotionally developed and mature, it actually provides a base for lifelong learning. And that goes with um, academics and social skills and uh, behavior difficulties, so many areas of our life. So, of course, as moms, we get so focused on the, the eating and the chores and the teaching um, hygiene habits and and table manners and all these things, sometimes we, uh, we're missing a piece of, a very important piece of the whole child development, and that is emotional learning. So when we look at it, um, what does that even mean? What does emotional learning mean? So the definition of that would be 
the knowledge and the skills needed to recognize and self-regulate feelings and emotions. And obviously this does not come overnight. It's not like learning to say thank you or please, but, but you know, also comes with repetition, but it is, um, a, a very intentional development of, uh, helping our kids learn to feel empathy and feelings of competence and recognizing and labeling these emotions. And so it also plays a big part of school readiness. We want our kids to be ready for school, ready to be able to sit and, um, and learn to read and all these things. And we can make learning fun, but emotional development comes in with things like um, being aware of the rules and the ability to follow rules and growing to in the uh, maturity of focusing and organizing actions and problem solving and deferred gratification and being flexible and all those things that come with just learning. And so let's dive into some of the ways that we can do these on a day-to-day basis. Um, the very first step I would say with moms is to learn that there is emotional awareness. And so when we you know, kids don't recognize that other people have feelings too. And mm, so yeah. what we can start to do is label those. Oh, you seem so sad today. Um, so we use those words, you know, sad's kind of a general one, but as you're getting past the, the, the normal ones, the casual ones like sad and happy and angry, we can say things like, um, you seem frustrated that you can't mm. get your jacket on. You want some help. And then they can begin to learn that language, you know, using that, they're labeling that feeling that they have. I'm trying to put my jacket on. I can't get it on. Um, and so mom comes along and says, oh, you seem frustrated. So then the next time they may actually, if they're verbal, they could use that that language. Oh, I'm frustrated. I can remember my son just straightening and locking out his arms about some dis- something disappointing. And mm. we've been working on emotional labeling and he's he just locked his arms out and said, I'm so disappointed. And I just was so excited to hear him actually, right. you know, to be able to process that emotion instead of just screaming, using that language of being disappointed. And, um, so that starts at home. That starts with us. That starts with us modeling that for them. Well, and that's a very good point because I think that often, and I hear it from parents all the time, they expect their child to develop emotional intelligence on their own, just that they're, you know, just like one of these phrases that I just despise is they'll grow out of it or (laughs) just like, no, they won't, or they'll learn when they're older. Like, no, if you don't teach them, they won't learn. And I know that my kiddos, when we brought them home from Poland and they had had experienced a lot of trauma, Emotional intelligence was not on their radar at all. They were in complete survival mode. And one of the things that, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, I made cards with facial expressions on them. And I know now you can even just buy those. I had to make, (laughs) yeah, I had to make those and we would go through these emotions. This is what happy looks like. This is what sad looks like this, you know, so that they could begin to recognize those emotions in themselves. And so I think it's really important that parents understand Kids do not just naturally develop these things, especially if they have a capital letter syndrome, like they're on the spectrum 
or they've had a lot of trauma in their life, they do not just develop these. Yeah, yes, thank you for talking about that. Um, So yeah, so we start out with just labeling those, talking about them, adding them into your conversation every day. And before long, you'll, you know, you'll kind of even start to recognize that your child is doing that. And you can, you know, you can encourage them to use the kids that are verbal. And, And don't forget, even if they're not verbal, they are still listening, they're still learning. And so you know, you can add things in those, just those day-to-day conversations. How are you feeling? I know you, you left your toy at grandma's. How are you feeling? Just talking about those emotions and, um, and even labeling your own emotions as Mm. you interact. You can say things like, oh, mommy is so disappointed that it's raining. I was looking forward to the park today. Are you feeling disappointed? You know, when we start adding this lingo in, and the other thing I would want to say is, um, as you're talking about this, we can, also point out the feelings um, that other people have. So, for example, maybe you're giving um, a family a ride because their car broke down again. Oh, you know, the Smiths, they are so upset. They're so frustrated. Their car broke down, so we're going to give them a ride today. Because kids don't really understand. They feel their own emotions. They don't always recognize that other people have emotions, too, that are different than theirs. Right. So that's important, even with siblings. Hey, uh guess what, Johnny, your sister's face is sad and her words are angry because you took her toy. So again, you're just adding in these bits of emotional learning so that little Johnny is seeing his sister's face and he's hearing her words. So that's that development of emotions, just casually bringing those in. Um, So basically you're calling out the attention that others have feelings as well. And it seems so simple, but it's something that we don't do often. Um, another thing is that you can do when you're reading books. Um, I know my girls loved the story Flora's Blankie when they were little. And I immediately thought of this book when I was writing this information is because, you know, Flora loses her Blankie and, you know, this is a great book or any book with a character add in, pause and say, how do you think Flora felt when Mm. she lost her blanket? Just again, adding these these components of adding emotions on how she felt, because this is also building empathy. We want our kids to be empathetic towards others in hard situations and, and towards their siblings and towards the rest of the world. We want them to have empathy. And that's, that also starts. Empathy is definitely an emotion and a virtue that is developed to have empathy for others. And so adding that conversation in through characters and books, or if you're watching a movie and you can even pause, you know, how do you think she felt Um, Another thing I love to do is to remark on children's emotions with the positive and the negative. So what that Mm. looks like is, uh, say your child has a fear of dogs. Um, Maybe there's one that scared them, and then you know you're going to a friend's house that has a dog. So you're going to be having this conversation. Okay, I know they have a dog. This dog um, is the golden doodle. It's big, but it doesn't bite. It's a very friendly dog. So I know you have a fear of dogs. So you know, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take it slow. But then once you get there, you watch your child and they use courage to meet the dog and to pet the dog. And so later you get to have that conversation and you put in those words. I am so proud of you that you used courage to get past your fear of dogs. I'm so glad you got to do that today. And so you're using the that language of what their emotion was in the negative, the fear they had, and then also the positive that they used the courage. 
Um, I think that that's really important so that they can sense both of those. And then also we are, we are, um, as moms, we're always wanting to tell our kids, good job, good job, good job. But there's also a recent push in studies to show that when we do that, of course, it's not terrible to tell your child, good job. But we're building this outside affirmation of hearing good job, seeking approval from others, when really, when we see our child do something, we should find that virtue that goes with that emotion. So, for example, if your child has ADHD, like my son has ADHD and autism, so to complete a task for him and stay on task is very challenging, and he's 11. So when he finishes washing out his lunchbox, is so um, it'd be so easy for me to say, good job, buddy, good job. Okay, dry it off and put it over there. But instead, we use the lingo like this. You could say something like, wow, I really love the focus or I really loved the perseverance that you used to finish washing out your lunchbox. So what that does is it builds a sense of inside approval for himself. He's right. proud of himself. Wow, I used I used perseverance to clean out my lunchbox. I've heard him say this to his dad. I used perseverance to make my bed today. So you're building these virtues in them that also go along with the opposite of that uh, challenging emotion of disappointment, frustration, confusion when they're trying to finish a task and they forget the steps they're supposed to do. So we know that with kids from trauma and kids from um, with autism or capital letter syndrome, you talk about frequently um, like ADHD or even sensory issues. I know yes. we had to raise our son. Like if we're in a very highly sensory place and he's really trying to hold it together and he's proud of himself afterwards. Wow, I really, I used my calm down techniques. And I'll say, you know, I'm so proud of the way you um, you persevered or the way that you used focus to finish that. There's a, a whole host of things. And, you know, sit down and think about it. Think about some of the ways that you can praise your child with virtues rather than just saying, good job. Right. And I, I would add to that because one of the things I would do with my kiddos is say, after that, you know, great job persevering is how do you feel about that? Right. Yeah, I love it. And and that way, you know, you want them to have that inner locus of control. You want them to take ownership of that instead of always being outwardly driven. Because, you know, this is what we're learning about ourselves as, as adults. That, wait a minute, all these things that we did was to get outside approval when we needed what we want our kids to have is that inner locus of control, feeling proud because we did something and feeling like we are achieving something, we're achieving a goal. And it was funny because sometimes I would ask my kids, you know, you, you did a, a great job loading the dishwasher. I'm so proud that you took the time to do it. And I would say, how do you feel about that? And they'd say, awful. And I'd be like, okay, well, let's talk about that. Why do you feel like that? And often it was, well, I think all of the dishes are uneven. Or I feel like I could have done a better job. And then I'd say, well, what are you going to do about that? And, of course, these kids are, you know, these were tweens. These are not toddlers. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, so there's that aspect of that, too. They're already dealing with that internally as they get older so if we have those conversations, we help them work through that. Well, why did you feel that way about that? And that gives, yeah, that. Mm-hmm. That gives them well, more control. Yeah, and part of, we all know that part of emotional control and regulation is they get older, not as, 
not as toddlers, but there are things that we can do even with our toddlers. Um, I love the win then. Um, it just, so in other words, when you finish putting your toys away, then you can have a snack. Yes. When you, um, when you take your bath, then we can read a story because this is already teaching delayed gratification. Mm -hmm. Um, that is a hard thing to teach, um, toddlers, but we all know that, that as adults, there are many times that we have to delay our gratification and it's, and the more consistent we are with that, the win then is such a great tool at our house that we use, even with my 11 year old still. Um, and some people say, if then, if you, you know, and you can use these different in different situations, but that delayed gratification really is a great way to introduce that to toddlers. And it can be something really small and short and quick so that you can praise them immediately. Wow. I really liked how you finished, um, putting your toys away so quickly and now you can have your snack. Thank you. You know, just praising them in that. Um, another thing that's a great idea to teach empathy, um, as part of the emotional learning is if you know, you're going to have a play date at your house before they arrive, have that conversation with your children. Hey, guess what? Um, you know, Johnny and Sam are coming over today to play. And so, you know, while they're here, they might get thirsty or they might get hungry. What are some things that we could do to maybe make them feel important? And so you have that conversation before your play date gets there. And this teaches them that those steps that empathy takes um, and take steps to consider other people, to make them feel valued, to make them feel important. So, yes, so while they're here, what can we do to make them feel special? Well, I know, I know Johnny likes, um, he likes Sprite, so maybe we can have some Sprite while he's here, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, I know little Susie likes cookies, you know. Can we bake cookies while she's here? So different things to build that empathy, you know, like what would they like to do? And yeah. so just having those conversations um, about friendships, about family members before they, they even come over, I think can also build empathy and that emotional side of caring about others and showing kindness. So. Right. And I would add to that because i not really add to it, but just point out what you said. I love the idea because I've always practiced this of letting them participate in preparing or purchasing whatever yeah. it is for their, because then, and of course the kids always do this, Hey, we brought, we got you Sprite because we know you like it, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. But that's so important. Mm-hmm. Because it starts when they're young, like right. three-year-olds. They know, you know, how to go get a Sprite out of the refrigerator and they can be excited to say, are you thirsty? You know, building that empathy young while they're young. Um, another thing, one of a huge emotional control regulation things that we've done with our son with autism is board games. Mm. He loves yep. board games. But I will say they can go bad very quickly when Mm -hmm. he's losing. And as much as sometimes I think, oh, my word, I'm exhausted. I don't have the energy to watch him get so upset because he's losing at Clue or he's losing at Uno or whatever. You know, it is that repetition, the repetition, the repetition of feeling those emotions and being able to help him get through that, you know. And also another idea is... They need to consistently, I hate to say it, but lose at times mm-hmm. to be like, okay, I won last time, but you won this time. Just using that lingo because as they get older and begin to play games with friends, you'd rather the big, huge meltdowns come at home where you can walk them through that and help them 
rather than with their friends at school when they're playing Uno or another game. And so board games is a great way to build patience and to help put others first and to take turns. And my son with ADHD and autism, like I said, many times he can't even remember whose turn it is. Mm -hmm. So he'll keep trying to go. He'll keep, and then we'll have to say, Jacob, whose turn is it? Well, I thought it was mine. Well, no. Remember, she goes, then you go, then dad goes, then I go. So just getting the rhythm of taking turns that seems so simple to neurotypical people. But when you are struggle with a neurological disorder or a capital letter syndrome, those things are very hard. And so, again, it's just being these intentional games. He doesn't know we're playing the games for that reason, you know? Right. (laughs) And I know... Right. And I know I've seen an increasing trend of parents letting children win. And we do not do that in our family. No, no, Uh -uh. no, and we've had kids over and my husband will sit down with us and we'll be playing a game and they'll say, you're supposed to let me win. And my husband will say, oh, no, I'm not supposed to let you win. (laughs) You're you need to win on your own merit and your own ability. And yeah, yes. and I agree with all of those things because any child that is not neurotypical, who is neurodivergent, will struggle with, yes. you know, the order of things, who goes first, yes. who goes second. So that repetition is helpful. And losing is such a skill that we don't want to have, you know, but we need to have right. in this world. We need to know, hey, everything is figure outable. Everything will be okay. Even if I lose this round, even if I lose this game, even if I can't find this puzzle piece and all of those things. And again, that's part of the emotional regulation and maturity. But but I want to add that if you do have a child from trauma, from the foster care system, um, you know, I want to add that we assumed that maybe kids at, say, age seven would know how to play Uno but just because they're seven. This is not true. Um, We saw many of the kids that came into our custody from states into states custody. They had never played cards. They Mm -hmm. didn't even know how to hold cards. So, again, um, you're talking about the emotional piece of playing board games, but also just the physical piece of being to just hold a set of cards or if they have fine motor delays, they will not be able to hold cards. So, you know, there's a lot of levels of. Of, of playing board games together and being flexible. And, and maybe like I know with our son, his, he has very fine, mo- fine motor delays. When he was young and we were trying to start Uno, um, we only played with, say, three cards. And that's okay, too. You know, right. you can modify the game to make it work for the where you're at with your kids. And that's okay because, you know, before long, they'll hold four cards. And now we're finally up to seven cards with him. So, you know, just think about those things, being flexible. That's also a part of emotional awareness and emotional maturity is being flexible and, um, you know, telling our kids, you know, oh, today, um, I know I said we were going to go to the park, but um, instead of going to the park, we're going to, uh, we're going to make cookies instead. Well, I want to go to the park. Well, I know we're going to be flexible. I like to do that every once in a while, not to throw a, a jab into things, but again, it is that inconsistent, um, intentional, I should say, intentional flexibility piece because life does not always go well. And I know for me, I love schedules. I love, mm-hmm. uh, you know, struggle with controlling things. And But all of a sudden, if I'm controlling everything, my kid doesn't have to be 
that flexible often because things are laid out pretty well. Right. So you might want to throw in some pieces of flexibility throughout the day. Hey, I know I said we're going to have peanut butter and jelly for lunch, but guess what? Now we're going to have grilled cheese. And, you know, you might have a meltdown, you might not, but you can say, I know that stinks, but sometimes we just have to be flexible. And I don't think that's mean. It's truly, again, being intentional with teaching our, our children to be flexible. So basically, right. overall, the emotional awareness piece that I've mentioned is, first, understanding that one has feelings that are separate from thoughts. So just kind of going through the day, talking about your emotion, reminding your children as you're talking about your own emotions, but also labeling others' emotions. Maybe that's a sibling. Oh, look, your sister's sad because she can't find her socks. You know, let's help her find her socks. Um, Talking about those emotions. Oh, you're frustrated because you can't put your jacket on. Would you like a hand? Um, Second is... um, being able to identify those. So understanding that one has feelings that are separate from your thoughts, but then also being able to identify those and labeling those. And then last, recognizing that other people have feelings that may be different than yours. Mm. That's another piece we haven't really talked about yet because maybe maybe one of your kids wants to go to the park, but maybe your bookworm wants to stay in and just read a book. So their feelings are different and that's okay. Now that's part of empathy. That's part of diversity understanding that not everybody feels the same about the same things and and talking about those it's okay that 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 she want maybe maybe your son wants to go to the park and he's mad his sister wants to stay in and read a book and kind of validating her it's okay why don't you bring your book to the park you know and 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 they make fun of her well no it's fine she can read a book too but you know so just kind right. of talking about all these different layers of emotional awareness um because again it affects so many areas of our life and um another area is impulsivity what they have found Mm. too is that the more emotional awareness and being able to label those emotions that's where the beginning foundation starts because you will not be able to regulate your emotions unless you can label them first so that's kind of the foundation of what we're talking about today right and i think that's really good i was thinking about i was prepping some material for February and I was thinking about that you know especially if you have a large family and like mine and a lot of trauma history and a lot of capital letter syndromes so this one wants to do that and this one wants to do that and that you know that's when you can learn one of the signs of secure attachment is being able to be flexible but also to be able to speak up for your own needs and that's when you get those compromises in there well he wants to read a book So, and you want to go to the park. So how can we compromise? How can we make this work out? Because that's what we do as adults all the time, or else we just say, no, I'm not going there or no, I'm not doing that, you know, but normally we're working and at work or whatever relationships we have, we're always doing these compromises and voicing our needs and saying what we expect and what we expect from the other person and it's so important to teach our kids that because there is a false kind of parenting going around it that says that you know let the kids always be in control or let them never be in control Mm -hmm. and neither of those are right 
you you know, you need that middle ground. And I think you and I grew up with very, very traditional, strict parenting, whereas, you know, my way or the highway kind of thing. And thankfully, science has taught us and we've learned along the way. Like you were saying at the beginning, you and I were not taught this. No one was telling me about emotional intelligence. When I had my. And I wish I would have learned it earlier because I know that I didn't do that well with my oldest children. You know, I know we've had conversations about it now and. You know, I can't go back, but I can talk to them about it now and just, you know, and hopefully they'll raise their children with uh, social emotional awareness and development. So, right. Yeah, because it does, it affects our relationships. Absolutely. If we can't regulate our emotions, it obviously it affects our marriages, it affects our, our parenting, our friendships. And so, yeah, it definitely starts young and we can teach those, we can model those. And, I'm definitely not the expert. I've I've blown it with my own emotions many times and had to take my own time out. You know, raising you know? my hand, raising my hand here. Yes, yeah, <laughs> so hard. But um, um, I wanted to add too. There are several, many, many books on labeling emotions. Um, okay. One of my favorite books is called The Way I Feel. It's a fun book that talks about identifying emotions such as happy, sad, bored, jealous, frustrated, excited. Mm. It's by Janin Kane, C-A-I-N, and it's called The Way I Feel. And then there's another fun book, probably for more younger children, called uh, The Color Monster. And it is a little monster who learns how to identify and process his emotions. So if you if you go to Amazon and just Google, you know, emotion books or social and emotional learning books, there's lots out there. And these have been a huge help with my son. Um, there's another series out there called uh, A Little Spot. I don't know if you've seen those. It, we hmm. bought the whole the whole set because there it has a little spot of love, a little spot of anger, a little spot of peace, a little spot of kindness. And basically, it's this little spot of that emotion, and it talks in the book of how to grow it if it's a positive emotion, mm. and also how to make it smaller if it is an emotion like anger or fear. And it has actually in the back of each book, it has some techniques. And so I love that series as well. Um, it teaches my son, it's taught him how to like tap his fingers and breathe. And yes. it has like a little saying that goes with it. Um, re, re, um, depending on which emotion it is. So that's another great set. It's called the Little Spot Series um, on Emotional Awareness. So okay. I hope that helps all the young moms out there or old moms like me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> or, an 11-year-old still. <laughs> or old moms that are raising young children, right? Yes. yes. Or, or so. grandparenting or whatever, kinship adoption. There's so many different things going on in people's lives. But... We're going to finish up here, but um, where can people find you? Because we were talking about before we started recording, you know, we've been in the trenches and then all of a sudden here we are, we're coming out, we're on social media and all of these things and we want to help people. So where can yeah. people find you? Well, thank you. I am, I have a Instagram. It's called the, um, the multitask mama, the multi, look, I can't even think of my name on there. It's the multitask <laughs> mama thing. And, um, yeah, so I share a little bit about autism, a little bit about emotional awareness, a little bit about nutrition, because I'm a big nutrition affects behavior and development kind of person. My son on the spectrum has really 
um, progressed a lot of ways after changing his his diet. So, yeah, I, I, that's why it's called the multitask mom. I'm still learning and growing and sharing, and and I um, I have had people reach out about just some private consults and just kind of where to start with different things, whether it's fostering or adopting or emotional awareness or autism or diet. So yeah, I'm there. Please reach out. I would love to, to meet with anybody. Well, thank you for being on the podcast today, Amber. Thanks for asking me. This has been so fun and out of my comfort zone, but yeah, here we are. So thank you so much. Yes. It's it's still out of my comfort zone, even though I do it all the time. So we will see you next week. Bye. Thank Bye. Thanks for listening to Trauma-Informed Parenting. Make sure you subscribe on TraumaInformedParenting.com to receive a free resource and receive a newsletter plus updates when books or new courses are released. Also, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Podomatic, or Spotify and leave a review so other listeners can find trauma-informed parenting and know the value of the show. You're welcome to send me an email to contact at trauma-informedparenting.com.